Podcast One Production. Welcome to Brand New World, a podcast series designed for marketers. Hi, I'm Russell Howcroft, Chief Creative Officer at PwC Australia, and I, along with Southern Cross Stereo, have a passion for building brands and businesses. The COVID-19 global pandemic has created insane disruption across the world, none more so than in the marketing industry. We're being forced to find new ways to build brands and communicate to our customers as their behaviour changes to adapt to what we're calling the new normal. This podcast series will help you find opportunity amongst the chaos. Throughout the series, we'll talk to experts in the industry about how they're adapting to a brand new world. As the host, my role will be to tease out the insights, creativity and lessons that will help us all get through this together and most importantly, keep your brand and business in good stead for the future. The good news is we're not all screwed. There is opportunity. In this episode, we are discussing why getting branding and marketing right is the single most important thing we can all do in a crisis. Peter Field spent 15 years as a strategic planner in advertising and has been a marketing consultant for the last 23 years. He's worked through three major recessions. In 2008, he wrote Advertising in a Downturn, a summary of expert opinion on best practice for advertising during recessions. Effectiveness case study analysis underpins much of his work, which includes a number of important authored and co-authored marketing and advertising texts. Marketing in the Era of Accountability, Brand Immortality, the Crisis in Creative Effectiveness and chapters in Eat Your Greens and the Sage Handbook of Advertising. Peter writes and speaks regularly around the world about marketing effectiveness. He is an honorary fellow of the UK Institute of Practitioners in Advertising. Peter is one of the world's great thinkers in our world. Peter, welcome to the Brand New World podcast. Russell, great to be here and good to, good to talk to you. I've done a lot of reading of your work um, and in fact, in the CMO advisory business that um, I'm a partner in at PwC, we do use a lot of the, the work that you've done in particular in the long and the short of it. But before we get really into it, I want to ask you, what's your favourite description of you? <laughs> well, there's a lot of ones I wouldn't want to repeat. But anyway, I mean, the one that's often often used is um, uh, one of the godfathers of effectiveness. I've written a lot of stuff with Les Binet. We're often referred to as the godfathers of effectiveness. It's kind of got a nice ring to it. It's a bit gangster, um, you know, which gives us a bit of an edge that we probably don't deserve. That's what I was hoping you were going to say, because it's true. You are the godfather of effectiveness. Um, So we are in the time of COVID, of course, and we're in isolation here in Australia. I assume that you're in isolation yourself, Peter. Is that right? Splendid isolation, yeah. Um, uh, We're... (laughs) Well, thoughtful, well, thoughtful isolation, perhaps. <laughs> well, I mean, like like many Brits, I've kind of hidden away from uh, the big city, so I've I've retreated to the countryside to avoid the worst of the plague. But you know, I think we're all getting used to it now. For people like me who've always worked from home, I've been working from home, my home office for the last twenty three years. It's not a big adjustment, but I think people who have been used to working in offices have found it quite a big shift. I think they're finding their feet now. We're anecdotally hearing that businesses are discovering that their people are just as productive, if not more, working from home. So I think there's yeah. lots of interesting learning for everyone here. But, you know, it doesn't suit everyone. It certainly suits me, but it doesn't suit everyone. And so tell us the mood of the nation, Peter. Well, I mean, there's been huge apprehension. I mean, a lot of nervousness, we know, stress and anxiety. A lot of people uh, looking for reassurance and calm, looking for those uh, statistics that say that we've turned the corner. We're beginning to see those, but we're 
relentlessly reminded that this is going to be a long haul, that we can't, you know, we can't just walk away from the lockdown straight away. Um, so, uh, you know, there clearly is an impatience, particularly amongst people who are self-employed and who are looking at um, some kind of bleak times, uh, I think, to get back to work. So tell us more about how we can make it better. Tell us more how we can affect the outcome. I mean, I think there's, a, there's <clears throat> some very important behaviours that businesses need to adopt. Firstly, you know, the way you treat your people, reassurance to people. You know, you can put the fear of God into people or you can encourage them to believe that they're, you know, you're doing your best to keep their job open or to, you know, to prove their furlough terms or whatever it is. So businesses, I think, have an important part in providing that reassurance that people in the nation need to believe that um, we're going to come through this and we're going to come through this strongly but there's also on a brand level i think what we're seeing at the moment from brands is just an astonishing kind of wave of me too advertising which is all about you know we're with you in this crisis now don't get me wrong i think if you've got something very positive to say about what you're doing to help people you know whether it's helping frontline medics to survive and treat people or it's just about helping people get hold of your product or or making a product available to people um, who wouldn't otherwise be able to get hold of it. I think these are good things to say, but at the moment we've got this tsunami of ads that all basically say, we're in this crisis with you together. And I think <laughs> I think they're getting to the point now where they're just making us um, even more nervous. Uh, an old boss of mine once used to say that there are no more worrying words in the English language than there is no cause for alarm. What we're getting is that in, in just truckloads at the moment, we're all relentlessly being told that everyone's on our side and we're going to pull through this together. The more we hear that, I think the more we think, oh my God, it's terrible. So I think what we need to get back to some reassurance, a sense that not brand business is entirely as usual, but brands are there for us, that brands uh, have a continuity about them. They've been through this before, they'll get through this, we'll all get through this, rather than uh, too much of this, um, you know, kind of crisis uh, messaging. So in, in Australia, we've um, had significant growth in media consumption, obviously, yeah? So you've had this... Media growth going that way, going north, but your cost per thousand going south. I'm wondering if that's the same in the UK. Oh, massively. I mean, in the UK, uh, TV viewing is up something like 30%. Radio listening is certainly well into the double digits. You know, people are, are really turning. And the interesting thing is they're turning to radio, not uh, the Spotify-type streaming. Because I think what they want is they want to know that they will hear... News in balance. They'll hear a little bit of news from time to time. They've got the reassurance of of the chat that you get of, of DJs and radio hosts and TV hosts. So all of that reassurance, um, news in balance. But they but but what they really want to do is just listen in and get some music and entertainment, whatever it is. So we're seeing enormous growth in listenership of some very very traditional media, um, and of course the costs are falling. So it's a fantastic time. To be spending advertising money, and why you know why wouldn't you? Yeah, this this is the interesting thing, isn't it? So you've got a significant audience increase, significant decline in in the price of entry, and yet I'm wondering if advertisers are going to compute. Oh, hang on a second, this is a moment in time. So, what's your advice? Well, first of all, we know that some are the shrewd guys. Are. Procter and Gamble have, have been public about this. They did this last time around in 08, 09. Um, they are one of uh, a, a number of big players um, in marketing who know the facts. Here. They know that recessions are actually a fantastic opportunity for businesses that hold their nerve. 
um, and can find the resources to um, take advantage. But let's be clear, look, if you are an airline, um, you are in survival mode here. And they, as you know, airlines are now going under. So if you're one of those really unlucky businesses with very high fixed costs and outgoings uh, and no income, I mean, clearly you're in survival mode and, and you cannot seriously suggest that businesses in that situation should be finding cash for, for advertising. But they are fortunately the minority of businesses. Are those who are actually trading really strongly at the moment during recession. I mean, anyone who makes toilet roll, as we know, has had a pretty bumper month or so. And there are many other categories like that. Procter & Gamble, trading very strongly. Um, obviously, if you're making automobiles or, or durables, uh, unless you're making fridge freezers, of course, in which case business has been very good, a lot of those categories, you know, your customers can't get to you. But that doesn't mean to say that there isn't an enormous pent-up demand for these products. We know there will be, and that's going to bounce back very strongly. So look, unless you are in survival mode, there is no question about this. Um, you want to be finding money to defend your presence in advertising. And the critical measure is share of voice, you know, the share of the category expenditure that you're making. And of course, the huge advantage, the reason why the Procter & Gamble's of this world kind of rubbing their hands with glee at the moment is that they know they can buy that share of voice more cheaply than they can in the good times. All they need to do is to hold their dollars, hold their dollar investments, and they will buy a bigger presence in the minds of Australian consumers than they would ever be able to do in normal times. So it's very good news if you can hold your nerve and you've got the resources and you've got the support of general management who understand that marketing is not the area to make savings in a recession. Make your savings in operational areas, in other areas. You know, you've got the support of governments to help you um, furlough employees. And, and there are all sorts of ways you can save money. Um, but unless you are really in dire straits, marketing is not a sensible area for massive cost cutting. You're, you're going to be able to cut some costs here and still achieve good share of voice. Um, but let's not be too panicky about it. So let's say I'm a middling sized business with um, a culture which is not a, it's not a progressive marketing culture. It's a culture that says, you know what, that media expenditure that's variable, I need to quickly cut costs. I'm going to die. I'm just going to go straight onto that line. Tell us more about the argument that the CMO at that middle sized business has got to articulate to the CFO, to the CEO. Well, I mean, the first thing is this has to be evidence-based, and I think you've got to go in there with the data. So what we know happened back in 08-09 was there was a significant cut in, in brand investment. Businesses pulled a lot of um, advertising money out of, of the traditional, established, successful brand-building media like TV and radio. And they put a lot of that into short-term activation, digital activation in particular. That was the major beneficiary. Yeah. Um, uh, so we saw that huge swing. We've seen in the 10, 12 years since then the enormous damage that has done to brands. When you go short term, when you stop investing in your brand uh, and in the the kind of what Byron Sharp at the Ehrenberg Bass Institute refers to as the mental availability of that brand and you just start driving the short term sales, you walk away from long term growth. And that's going to be really important during recessions. Remember, recessions typically last four or five quarters. This one will probably be the same, fingers crossed. It's likely to be. It's likely to be. Um, in that situation, the brand investments you should be making now 
are going to be really working for you during the recovery phase because brand building is really about making next year's numbers easier to reach than this year's. The short-term sales activation is really just about slugging it out now and you and all your competitors are going to be doing that head-to-head right now. It's going to get expensive, it's going to get difficult. So investing in the brand, you really need to do so that as you come out of this recession, you are the brand that people are looking to. You are going to have a disproportionate share of of awareness and mental availability. And you're going to come out of this um, recession uh, with all guns blazing. That's really what it's about. Um, It's about taking a short-term hit to your your profitability because you're going to keep on investing to some degree um, in order to enjoy a massive reward in terms of your profit growth and recovery. And the data is there. The data that that I've published recently through LinkedIn um, is all about proving that, that the benefits in recovery are enormous if you can hold your nerve. And there's also a lot of academic work being done on this. There's a fantastic academic paper um, um, written by a guy by American partnership Telus and Telus, um, it's a fantastic paper which uh, looks at enormous amounts of data and case studies from previous recessions and absolutely nails this point. It's very well proven. Fantastic. So I was going to ask, where do you, where can you point us? And you've just pointed us in the direction of Telus and Telus. So just to, just spell that for us, if you wouldn't mind, Peter. T e l i s Telus and Telus. A couple of American academics who are in 09, just as we were coming out of the GFC, um, wrote a fantastic academic paper. And Mark Ritson has written a lot and spoken a lot about this, so you may well have heard him refer to it. But it is full of uh, really good evidence of how you benefit if you hold your nerve and continue to invest. And essentially, the TELUS and TELUS observation is both an opportunity and a threat. What he observes is that share of market responds more strongly to share of voice, investment or disinvestment, than it does in the normal times. So that means two things. It means that if you can hold your nerve and maintain or build your share of voice in in a downturn, that you will gain more market share than you would have been able to do with similar levels of share of voice in the good times. But it also means that if you allow your share of voice to slip, or you are unwise enough to go dark, which brands are doing now, and that is seriously dangerous play, if you allow yourself to go dark, you are likely to lose even more market share in the bad times. So, you know, on the one hand, you've got the carrot. On the other hand, you've got a pretty thumping big stick. So it really doesn't make sense to go dark or indeed allow your share of voice to slip below equilibrium during a recession if you can possibly avoid it. One of the other things that occurred in the last recession was, yes, there was a flood of money into, into the let's call it the promise of digital, and there was a focus or an increased focus on existing customers versus gaining new customers. So what can you tell us through all the work that you've done around who wins in recessions around, okay, there is one of the big choices I can make. Am I just focusing on existing customers to try and keep them loyal, try and keep them buying? Or do I continue to try and make some conquest sales? What have you learned? So no, what we, we, we know, and it's not just from my own work, but I mean, you have in Australia the absolute master bar none of, of this, which is um, Byron Sharp at the Arambo Bass Institute. And they have taught us with a lot of data over many years that going for existing customers is a complete cul-de-sac. You cannot build sustainable long-term growth by talking to your existing customers. You have to reach out 
always reach out to new customers. And actually in recession, particularly this recession, when supply chains are stretched, you know, this is actually a good opportunity to reach out to new customers because you may be able to create opportunities uh, more easily here to get people trying you, um, perhaps because their own brand, their usual brand or their usual repertoire of brands is less available than normal. So this is a good time to be recruiting new customers. You need to be doing brand building, mental availability building, advertising to do that. Um, so it speaks to um, an increased investment in brand building during this particular downturn because of its very nature um, versus other previous downturns. It speaks to an increased investment in brand building and probably reining back on short-term activation stuff. But you need to do both. You need to do both. You need to do both in balance. But but I think the characteristics of this downturn with supply chain stretched, you know, you've got two kinds of brands, those that have no market or those that have a market that they are struggling to satisfy because demand is raised. Either of those two situations, going short really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, which is what happened last time around. Right. You know, keep your keep your your fingers on the brand pulse, keep driving that brand growth. You'll be able to do it cheaper and more powerfully now than ever. So in, in, in the long and the short of it, you do um, offer advice on expenditure, really, um, in terms of long-term brand building versus short-term activation. So can you tell us a little more around, you know, I know it's going to depend on category, but let's just sort of broadly speaking, the optimum balance of short versus long term. It's one of the questions we always get asked. <laughs> well, we've we've um, talked a lot over over recent years about what we call the 60-40 rule, which is to say that for a typical brand in a typical category, um, a sweet spot seems to be when you spend around about 60% of your budget on long-term brand building uh, and 40% on just driving those short-term sales. Now, we saw in the last recession, the global financial crisis, which you guys in Australia were spared. So, you know, I'll um, I'll forgive you for not knowing uh, too much about it. The rest of the world, we had a pretty tough time. We had a tough time. Yeah, the, the advertising sector had a pretty tough time in Australia, actually. It was quite it was quite interesting that you're right. We didn't have a recession. However, the the media market's actually been very tough for 12 years. Uh, you've got more than 50% of the expenditure going into Google and Facebook now, of course. Um, so that means that your Australian and traditional media players have found it pretty tough over a long period of time. Yeah. Oh, anyway. And anyway. this has happened everywhere. I mean, the trouble was the GFC was a... Uh, a huge uh, sales tool for the short-term digital sales guys, the big data guys particularly, and they sold it in hard then. And it has since, um, you know, uh, obviously done extremely well as a way of uh, thinking and as, as media. But we know, we know already, because we can see its impact on effectiveness and in the data, that we've gone too far, way too far down that road. Typically, you know, um, short-term activation is more than 50% of the average business's expenditure. And I've, I've worked with businesses where it's way, way more than 50%. And those businesses are seriously regretting it and seriously trying to crawl back from that. So it's a very dangerous drug to get hooked on, that short-term way of thinking. You've got to keep these two in balance. 60-40 is typical for the good times. I think in this particular recession, because of the you know, kind of the absurdity of chasing short-term sales, given, you know, that you're either isn't a market or you can't meet demand. I think that is more sensibly going to switch more towards brand, perhaps 70, 30 or beyond. Last recession, arguably, it did slightly drift the other way. Perhaps the sweet spot did drift more towards 50, 50. 
But it was a different kind of recession. And this is not a typical recession, as we all know. It's the first pandemic-driven recession of the modern era. And I think we have to bear that in mind when we think about how to handle it. And going short really doesn't make sense this time around. I want to talk about brand fame. You talk about fame a lot, and fame as a notion is something which the UK, they're they're quite comfortable with that as an idea, building brand fame. So I want to ask you to explain what you mean by that. It's almost like in an academic sense, what do you mean by fame? So, I mean, fame is an unfortunate word because it's ambiguous, and it, uh, in my experience, it doesn't translate into any language on this planet unambiguously. So, but we're saddled with it. I didn't invent it. It's just we're saddled with it. Um, what it really means is um, getting the brand talked about on and offline. It's the sense that because of that, the brand is the one in its category that's kind of making waves. You know, it enjoys enormous advantages because of that not just straight mental availability because if everyone is talking about that brand it tends to elevate its level of salience but there is a huge kind of reassurance kind of turbocharging effect from me hearing this from my peer group as well uh, hearing about this brand so it gives these brands um, uh, an astonishing level of effectiveness in the marketplace I mean all the metrics just tend to jump off the scale so it is from a marketing and advertising point of view a very desirable uh, objective and goal through particularly through advertising to try and build this kind of talkability around your brand get everyone talking about it another difficult word in the world of brand marketing and advertising is creative. Explain to us what your view of creative is. Well, I mean, I I approach this in two ways. When I'm doing data analysis, and I've done a lot of work on the power of creativity, I use um, creative awards as a metric because you kind of need something that is objective. So I have been using a gun report data, which measures creative award wins at the top, uh, I don't know, 46 or so creative shows around the world. So it is, in a sense, the you know, wisdom of uh, the creative crowd. So the judges, these are senior marketers and senior creative people um, with good creative track records who arguably would know something that was creative um, if they were looking at it. So I use that from a data analysis point of view. But I think it's worth also noting what creativity really represents and why it is so valuable um, as an effectiveness tool. You know, by and large, creative judges don't give creative awards to work that they regard as familiar, been done before, and not very innovative or um, surprising. So great creative ideas are inherently surprising to us. We haven't seen anything quite like them before, from one way or another. Um, Maybe we're using media in a different way. Maybe our idea is unfamiliar. Or maybe it's the juxtaposition of that idea and that brand and that medium in some way. There are lots of tools for creativity. But what it generates is surprise. And surprise, of course, is a big driver of this fame effect. Why would I want to talk about a piece of advertising if I'd kind of seen it before? There's no... Um, you know, brag power, no no brag rewards, if you like, in sharing or talking about a piece of advertising that everyone's kind of half familiar with and doesn't find very astonishing. If I can talk about an ad that has just blew me away and is likely to blow you away, there's brag rewards in that for me. And therefore, these kinds of campaigns get talked about a lot. Um, And that, as I say, amplifies their effectiveness to an astonishing degree. So, Peter, um, you, you know what's true. You know that the 60-40 rule is correct. You know that during a recession, you can buy yourself extra share of voice at potentially 
at a cheaper rate. You know that to aspire for brand fame absolutely works. You know that you can get fame through being creative um, in both execution but also in media. All these things are true. Why is it so hard? <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I mean, is, you, is your question, is it hard to make this happen or is it hard to sell this into management? Because I think those are both, both big issues. Um, you know, I mean, creativity is hard because you are, you know, you are trying to do the uncommon. You're trying to find new answers to problems. And, you know, you've got to do something that no one's done before. So inherently, it will always be difficult to be creative. But that's great, because when you get it right, that is why the rewards are so great. I think it's, it's the other question is perhaps equally important, which is why is it so difficult to sell this into management, particularly in times like this? I would have thought that at times of recession, when in a sense it's a shit or bust environment here, those were the times to really reach out for creativity. You have got less to lose and more to win. I would be doing everything I can to encourage my creative agency partners to do something truly unusual now. It's going to get noticed. It's going to really help me trade through recession. But most importantly, it's going to help me come out of recession with some really impressive numbers. And I'm going to be able to put some clear clear water between me and my competitors if I do that. So, you know, look, creativity is a brilliant tool. It is the single most important thing you can do as a business to boost the efficiency of your marketing and advertising investment. There is nothing else that comes close. There is no big data, fancy pants, analytical tool that even <laughs> comes close to the kind of orders of magnitude of improvement you can get through creativity. So use it now. Use it now. This is the time to do it. Back in 08, 09, there were some fantastic winners um, in the UK marketplace during the recession. They didn't only hold their nerve investment terms, but they did some fantastic creative as well. Brands like Cadbury with the drumming gorilla, T-Mobile with their flash mob meetings, Hovis advertising. I mean, there was lots of these wonderfully creative but well-funded campaigns and these were the brands that came through that recession you know uh, steaming so the sense of getting one's media right so through again through a recession media mix can you see media mix changing uh, i mean it, it's too early to know really what's going on i mean we do know that unfortunately exactly what happened part of exactly what happened in the last recession is already happening now we're seeing money being pulled out of the very media that could help you trade through and beyond this recession. So TV revenues we know are down, radio revenues I believe are also down, but yet these are the two media that are pulling in the audiences like never before. So um, we already know that um, uh, brands are doing the unwise thing, which is to pull money out of brand building. We don't yet know whether they are doing the equally unwise thing, which is to go short and put a lot of that money into short-term activation. I suspect probably some of that is going on. But I think what is happening on a massive scale in this recession that didn't actually in the last recession is brands going dark and massive cutting of all budgets. Uh, so that is my big fear, um, and I think that is a big mistake. You know, I think it is important to maintain a presence out there. You will be able to do that at lower cost, as we've already discussed. But it's more than just, you know, what you're putting in terms of advertising. It's also about your behaviours, you know, doing something that is eye-catching and catches the mood of nations. 
I mean, I think the real characteristic of this recession is this great sense of pulling together that we've, you always get in some recession, in, in most recessions, but it's more amplified in this one. We have a common enemy, COVID-19. Yeah. You know, we yeah. are all focused on beating the big grisly beast. Um, and we are all rallying behind, um, uh, you know, medics, frontline medics who putting their lives on the line to help keep us alive. And that has brought this tremendous sense of coming togetherness and community spirit and so on and so forth. And I think if, if brands can be seen to be part of that world, part of coming together and helping people, helping um, either medics or ordinary people, their own people, survive, I think that plays well, particularly in this current downturn. So I think it's about behaviours as well as, as putting money into communications. You need to do both. So, so Peter, the, our podcast is called A Brand New World. What do you think might be a permanent change or permanent changes that COVID-19 is going to create? Well, look, a lot has been written about how uh, this pandemic is going to change everything. And I think a lot of these are wildly overblown. But that's not to say that I don't think there will be some genuine lasting effects. But I don't think, you know, when the recovery comes, we're all going to wake up in a completely different new world. I think a, a lot of what went on before will continue to go on before, but I do think there will be some changes. And I think the one that I do certainly hope coming through this is, you know, there were a lot of businesses prior to this pandemic who went down the brand purpose route, cause-related routes, and said a lot about what wonderfully humane uh, and generous businesses they were. Now, some of them have been called out because when the going got tough, it turned out they weren't quite as humane as they had been pretending. And there's been an enormous wave of criticism of those businesses, and, and rightly so too, let's be clear about it. But what I'd like us to do is to move on to what is going on at the moment, which is an enormous wave of generosity and humanity from businesses that have probably never done this kind of purpose marketing before. They've realised that now is the time, now is the time to step up and, and give, to give of their time and energy and ideas and money and in many instances their manufacturing resource. And I think this is very good for brands. I think it's very good for capitalism as well. I think capitalism has taken um, quite a bit of beating in recent years. There have been a lot of excesses out there in, in the world of business that I think increasingly a younger consumer, a younger um, millennial consumer, have been more and more uncomfortable about. So I think this is a a good opportunity for businesses to show that they are actually very important to the working of society and that they care about society and they are bound up in it. So I very much hope that we stop beating up those businesses who maybe turn out to be hypocrites and we start celebrating the massively greater number of businesses who seem to have realised that there is a job to be done here. Businesses connecting and helping society come through. And I do think that will be a change um, for the better. I am very much with you on that. Um, the Edelman Trust Survey, of course, is, you know, comes out every year and every year we see decline in trust of institutions and government and brands and media, etc. I wonder whether that's going to turn around as a result of all this. It would be good to think it would, and I, I really hope it, it, it does. Um, you know, this is a big opportunity to put right some of those things, but it does mean that as we go forward, you know, I think businesses will have to... Uh, start to change their behaviour and be more concerned about, you know, this well-being of the societies in which they trade, you know, because we've had this kind of spiral now for at least the last 20 years, I think, in, in, in Western um, economies of squeezing the pips ever tighter, driving costs out, 
um, which means that we're trying to sell brands to an ever more cost-conscious and ever more uh, pressured consumer. And I think businesses have to try and... And we're beginning to see that. Um, we were beginning to see a bit of that anyway, I think, before this, before this downturn bid, yep. of trying to rebuild the purchasing power of consumers um, by... You know, rebuilding the virtuous circle of improving productivity, improving profitability and improving pay scales for people rather than relentlessly squeezing the pips year in, year out. Um, So I think hopefully that will be a lesson that comes out of this, that we're all going to have to work hard to rebuild this. We, you know, the, the best advice seems to be this will be a V-shaped recovery. Yes. We're going to go into a very, very deep, painful but hopefully relatively short-lived recession. And we're going to come out very strongly the other side. But coming out very strongly the other side is going to need a lot of people pulling together. Governments are doing their bit at the moment. And I think businesses will also need to do their bit and be prepared to invest. Peter, that does take us back right back to the very beginning where we can affect how we come out of this. And I am completely with you. I think we can affect this in a positive sense that it is a V. I sincerely hope so. Um, And I hope that every single marketer and business, brand owner, advertiser, media, the entire ecosystem that you and I work in, listen to this podcast and do as they're told, Peter. We need them. (laughs) We need them just to, you know, sign up to the Peter Field textbook and get religion and go for it because they will fundamentally reap the rewards. Peter, sincerely, thank you very much for being part of Brand New World. It was so delightful to A, meet you, but B, chat to you because as I said at the start, you're an absolute guru. We build a lot of business off the back of a lot of your work, Peter, so I also should thank you for that. Uh, Russell, great. Many thanks for the chat. Our next conversation on Brand New World is with Mark Ritson. I'm really looking forward to that. Talk to you then. Brand New World is a Podcast One Australia production. Produced by Dave Zwolenski and Matthew Dwyer.